0: hello and welcome to another episode of life story as always i'm your host tyler honig if you're new to the podcast welcome i'm so excited to have you on this journey with me well life story is is it's my excuse to get to hang out with a lot of my friends and mentors talk about the highs and lows of their lives, and what's led them into the people that they are today. If you're returning to my podcast, thank you so much for your continued support. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Today, we have someone that I would consider one of my greatest mentors that I had here at Iowa State, as well as in life. This person has also helped me get multiple jobs throughout my entire life, so I very much appreciate that from them. So today, you're going to hear from Nathan Ross. Nathan is an academic advisor for mechanical engineering students at Iowa State University. He lives in Ames, Iowa, where he has called home for the last six and a half years. Nathan holds a BS in civil engineering from Iowa State University, an MED in counseling student affairs from Northern Arizona University, and an MBA in marketing from the University of Central Missouri. He has spent his career focused on helping students find a home away from home at college and navigate through college to graduation and beyond. Nathan is an active volunteer for the American Cancer Society and serves as the advisor for the ISU chapter of that organization. In his spare time, he enjoys spending time with his family, building Lego sets, binge watching Netflix, and hanging out with friends. And with that, here is the life story of Nathan Ross. Tell me your story, your life story. Hi Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you Tyler? Good, I'm excited to have you on today. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So as I kind of mentioned in the intro section, I met you during my time here at Iowa State when I was a student my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Um, You were the hall director at Buchanan at that point. And I particularly remember one of the first times I met you was when I was doing my first acting show at Actors And you were like, hey, I heard a lot of your floor mates are going to be going and stuff. I'd love to also get to go. And so I was able to get you a free ticket. And I was like, oh, you know, he's being nice. Like, it's a free ticket. He comes if he comes. And it was actually really nice to see you out there in the audience with everyone for friends and family night. And you came out and said we did a great job and stuff. And I was like, man, this is a person I really have to get to know.
1: (laughs) What's
0: funny is I don't even
1: remember that <laughs> like you know I love that that was so impactful for you but like for me it was like oh okay well I'll go check it out. Yeah well no
0: I think that's always fun and I'm sure out, out of all of your years of advising students and supervising students that does just kind of become old hat of like oh I'm going to go support these students but sometimes it's like man you forget what some of those little things really mean.
1: Right. Right. And I appreciate hearing it. Usually it's a lot later that people will come back and be like, yeah, this was a really impactful thing that you did. And I'm like, oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. And <laughs> and for me, it's just, you know, a everyday kind of thing. Yeah.
0: It's a part of who you are. Right. Um. So, yeah. And then from there, I worked for you a couple of times as a desk assistant, a community advisor. We did NRHH together and... Um, like I mentioned before, you've been helpful in either writing letters of recommendation or just sending jobs my way. And I mean, that's how <laughs> I have my current job as an academic advisor in aerospace. And you and I literally share a wall between us.
1: <laughs> yes, that is true.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, so yes, I'm really excited to get to hear about your life story. And you and I get to share a lot of fun stories about our time in housing. Yeah. So to kind of get started, talk about um, your early years in life. I know, like
1: me, you grew up in the Quad Cities, just in a different part of the Quad Cities. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in East Moline, Illinois, Um, so part of the Quad Cities, Um, you know, so moved. I was originally born in Davenport Mm -hmm. and then moved to East Moline when I was five, and so... Quad Cities through and through, you know, as far as like, you know, going to elementary school, middle school, high school, it was all in East Moline. So Ridgewood Elementary, Glenview Middle School, and then United Township, UTHS for high school. Nice. Um, And you have a younger sister, right? I do. So I have just one one sister. She's younger. Her name's Nikki. Um, So she's three years younger. Um, and kind of that, that wonderful age difference was, you know, we, we fought all the way through elementary school and middle school, um, and high school, like, I, I definitely had her, like, keep distance, because I was a senior, and she was a freshman, and so it's like, okay, like, you you are coming in on my turf. There's a (laughs) hierarchy here, and I have built it. Exactly, exactly, so it's like, okay, you, you you know i'll i'll acknowledge you but like you know, keep your distance no of course but at the same time like i was also her you know i looked out for her mm-hmm. um so like i made the joke with her like nobody can beat you up except for me like <laughs> i'm entitled to that <laughs> but no one else can mm-hmm.
0: no i feel like that's always the older sibling mentality and stuff it's like
1: I get to be over you, but nobody else. Right, exactly. And so then, you know, once we got, once I left for college was when we started getting really close. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I love the dynamic that we have now. And I actually hear that from a lot of people.
0: It's like, you didn't really appreciate the sibling maybe as much growing up, but when she went off to college... It's like a whole new world and stuff. It's like, man, I missed you.
1: Exactly. And she actually ended up following me to Iowa State. So, oh, okay. So we also spent my senior year and her freshman year here at Iowa State.
0: You enjoyed it so much the first time you decided, let's do a sequel.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, what were some things you were involved in growing up? Hobbies or just interests you had?
1: Um, Like at what, up at what stage? Like elementary? Let's say middle, elementary and okay. work our way up. Okay. Okay. Um, so like elementary school, um it was really just kind of hanging out with people. Sure. Um you know, I remember you know, for for me our house was directly across from a park. Okay. Um and so there was a lot of times that you know, I would meet people there um and just kind of hanging out and playing. Um you know, and it was also kind of <laughs> back in the day where you know people could be a little more hands-off with their kids. So quite literally, um, you know, this is probably more middle school than elementary, but, you know, mom would send us out to play at the park and it was directly across the street. So she would just be in the house, like doing whatever she was doing Mm -hmm. there. And then when it was time for us to come back, she had a bell that was on (laughs) the front porch. And so she would just ring the bell and we would hear it and be like, okay, well, I guess it's time to go home. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's funny. I have not heard a lot of people have that, but that's very cool. It's like the summons. Yes, exactly. It's like, oh, okay, well, we got to wrap this up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So since you said you would just kind of meet people when you were at the park, would you say you were a very social person
1: growing up? It was easy for you to make friends? No, no, like meeting up with people that I already knew. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. I, (laughs) I am very much an introvert, and that was, like, me as a younger kid as well. Like, I would... I would kind of find my people, and then they were my people, and that's who I hung out with. Nice. You know, I could kind of, you know, I could kind of fake it until I make it, um, (laughs) you know, and be social with different groups, but, you know, very much, like, once I find my people, like, that's my people. Sure. sure. No, I get that. Everyone's got to have their tribe.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, Was there anything in particular you really liked to do, hanging out with your friends, or just spending the time together?
1: It was just spending the time together. Um, you know, I remember that one of my friends, Adam, he had this completely decked out basement. Okay. Um, so, like, his his house was the cool house to hang out at because, I mean, he had a pool table. He had a pinball machine, you know. And so, like, you know, we, we could spend a lot of time down in that basement. Fair.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I had friends like just, that, too.
1: But it was just kind of hanging out and just, you know, being
0: with each other. Yeah. Um, now I know you are very big into Legos now. Did that
1: start at a younger age or what kind of led you into your love of Legos? Oh yeah. yeah. So from, from a young age, I was doing, you know, different Lego sets. Um, you know, it's obviously gotten like more complex. Um, but yeah, I, I've always loved, you know, building Lego sets. Um, I'm very much kind of the person that like follows the directions and builds the sets. Mm -hmm. Um, I've found from like working with my nephew that that's one way to play with Lego, <laughs> and then the uh, the way that he plays with Lego is very much like imagination focused. Mm-hmm. And like let's let's be one of these Lego characters and like be <laughs> in whatever the set is, and like this guy is running the the general store and. You know, and that that's not really me. Okay. I, I, I pretend when I'm with him. Um, but I am much more the let us let's, let's build the actual set. Sure. <laughs>
0: Gotta blame the Lego movie a little bit for that, giving life to all the characters. Yes, exactly.
1: Um, so what have been some of the favorite ones you've built over the years? Oh, there there's been a lot of them. Like I've definitely gotten um you know when i was in Res life had disposable income and of so i was able to to spend more on on lego sets um so like some of the more more intense ones like i i built the the white house okay um the apollo 11 lunar lander um See, I'm trying to think. Oh, um, there is a roller coaster oh. that is quite literally the size of my dining room table, um, <laughs> but it actually functions. So, like, you know, it it will actually like you can send a cart up the the roller coaster and then it will move all the way down. That's cool. Um, so yeah, I've gotten some some really cool sets. Um, I know you have Jack Trice. Yes, so Jack Jack Tri Stadium is, is one. It's an off-brand of Lego, so, like, with that, their bricks are much smaller, mm-hmm. and so that was a much more painful process sure. <laughs> to build that one. Um, but it looks cool, so that's at my house. Um, here in the office, I have a Lego side. Oh, um, yeah. And so... That's also the fake Lego, but you know, also a pain to put together, but mm-hmm. you know, it looks cool.
0: Well, that's neat. I tried my hardest to get into Legos growing up. I just honestly. Didn't have the time for it. It's just I didn't have the time to sit there and work through them. I'm not a big puzzle person, so I give credit to you to like have the mentality to build. I just wanted it built, and so that's why I'd always just buy them or Power Rangers. Mm. I liked it was already an animal, and then take me five minutes, build into a Megazord, and I was good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm one that can just kind of power through, and you know I I don't mind it at all, and so like with with some of those like more expert sets like. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, I would spend, you know, three, four, five hours on a Saturday afternoon and like just be working through it and look at my watch and be like, oh, wow, okay, maybe, maybe I should go fix some dinner now. Uh huh. <laughs> it was light when I started and now it's dark. Uh huh. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so talk about your relationship with your parents growing up. What was that like? It was good. Um, so my parents were married in, in 1984. Um, so year and a half before i came along okay um and so they were together um almost 30 something 40 something years before mom passed and Mm -hmm. so um yeah like they were very loving and supportive um dad worked as a chemist for the water filtration plant okay um and so For him, he was, that's more of like an eight to five kind of job. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, part of his job was actually taking water samples across, um, across the city to just kind of check and make sure that everything throughout the water distribution system was still good. Yeah. Um, And so with that, you know, he would actually like one of the testing sites was our house. Um, (laughs) And so he would actually like, you know, in the summers when, when me and my sister were home. Uh, he would actually let us help with, with oh, the different wow. tests. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, mom was actually a substitute teacher caller. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> people don't really think of, like, you know, with substitute teachers, like, they show up. You know, yeah. when you're a student, it's like, oh, there's a sub today. Um, but yeah, there's actually like a whole process of, of getting a substitute teacher yeah. like, called and arranged. So, like, um there's a at least at the time um there was a number that teachers would call into to Mm -hmm. call out um and so then my mom would like check who was going to be out and then would start calling um like from a list of Mm -hmm. of substitute teachers um seeing who was available and like plugging them in like okay we're gonna have you cover fifth grade at at Glenview yeah um, How early would she have to get up for that? Because I'd
0: imagine not every teacher can plan like I'm going to be sick on this random Tuesday. Ridiculously early. Okay. Um,
1: so I think she was, I think she was up and calling people at like six. Wow. Even. I was uh, imagining
0: even far earlier, but probably.
1: Um, you know, I just know that she was like wrapping up things. You know, as like we were trying to get off to school, Yeah. you know, because you have to have subs in in the classroom. So. It's
0: nice you could do it from home.
1: Right, exactly. So that was Sweden.
0: Yeah. And so would that kind of be her day was just for work, I guess, was making sure there were subs there and then that was kind of the main part of that?
1: Yeah. So that was her her main focus was, was on, on substitute teachers. Cool. And so the nice part with that was like, you know, me and Nikki would be the first ones to know when uh-huh. we were going to have a sub that day. Here's the hot gossip of the day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so that also helped to be like, okay, mom, we're going to have a sub today. Can you please make sure it's a good one? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she she knew which ones were good and mm-hmm. which ones were not so good. We need a movie lover today. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: That's cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met anyone that was a sub-caller. And
1: so, yeah, I never really thought about that. Yeah, and she loved it because it did give her the chance to actually, like, be home with us. Yeah. And so, yeah, she loved that job. Um,
0: And I know your parents transitioned to a different work after a while. Do you want to kind of talk
1: about that? Yeah, yeah. So I think it was when I was about maybe 6th grade, 7th grade, somewhere in there um they actually transitioned to both become pastors okay um and so both became pastors within the united methodist church um and so that was a big transition for for them as well as for me and mickey sure um you know because all of a sudden now we're we're pastor's kids and you know so it looks very different like Mm -hmm. you know i think with with people that are in a church like they they see their pastor you know on Sunday mornings Mm -hmm. um you know but they don't necessarily see like all the background stuff that they do yeah um and so (laughs) yeah we um, we found out very quickly all the background stuff that's that happens you know and so I think you know with that kind of the you know the nice part is like I, you know, they definitely enjoyed it. They loved working with with the church people and and really trying to like help guide them on their spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was definitely fulfilling for them. It was definitely hard as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and like for for me and Nikki especially, like you know, it meant that they were like having to to leave at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. Um. So if you think of kind of like you know in in natural family dynamics if somebody's Mm -hmm. in the hospital you know you're probably going to drop everything and and head to the hospital to be with your family well as a pastor Mm -hmm. you know you're you're going to get called by your congregants when somebody's in the hospital yeah um and so there was a lot of times where you know somebody was you know in a severe car accident or were in hospice care or something like that where it's like you know this person could pass away at any point Mm -hmm. and so it's like okay well I gotta go and so they would just kind of drop everything and head head to the hospital
0: very different from your dad's older nine-to-five job that he had had
1: exactly exactly and so that was a bit of a transition
0: for Mm -hmm. us as well and were you a very religious household before that or was that a start to it
1: no we were um you know so we were kind of the typical like at at church every Sunday um You know i know that mom and dad were on like different like church committees Mm -hmm. for things as well um so like yeah our our family was definitely like religious before that sure um but yeah that definitely like (laughs) ramped it up a notch (laughs) um you know and it's also like there's a lot more scrutiny of like the pastor and the pastor's family and so Mm. like there was very much kind of this this pressure that like we had to be perfect because we're the pastor's kids.
0: I've heard that from other friends whose parents are pastors. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that also changed holidays a little bit for you because there are many
1: holidays that revolve around the church. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so, like, you know, Christmas being a big one. um, So, like, you know, (laughs) kind of pre-pastor, it was, you know, we would go to a Christmas Eve service and then, Mm you know, we, that would be it. We would be done as far as, like, church stuff, and then we would go home and fall asleep and then wake up and, and do presents yeah. and all that. Um, and then that changed drastically when <laughs> they became pastors because instead of just showing up for the church service, you know, we're showing up an hour before to mm-hmm. make sure that everything is good to go, and then doing one or two or three, Pot- potential <laughs> services, mm-hmm. um, usually there was, like, an 11 p.m. service, and so, like, that would go to midnight. And you and Nikki are, like, poking each other to stay up. Uh-huh, exactly. Um, and then after that, uh, everybody's like, okay, it's midnight, we're going home, and then the pastor's family gets to stay and clean up everything, <laughs> and <laughs> so, like, we would be finally getting home, at, like, 1 a.m., you know, and so yeah, it just was very different. Mm-hmm. You know, with with those kinds of holidays. And it's just like Santa came, and you'll deal with Santa's stuff later. <laughs> uh huh. And some and sometimes it was very much like uh Santa's not going to come on Christmas Day. Yep. Because he understands that we're we're busy with church stuff on Christmas Eve, so mm-hmm. Santa's going to come on the twenty sixth. <laughs> and you know, for us, it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Glad that Santa can work around your schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's gonna make a another trip over real yeah, fast. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs>
0: um, and I'm sure for Easter too, that was another busy day for y'all. Yeah, and same
1: kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know. So usually with with Easter, there was some sort of like Easter sunrise service at like a, a six or a seven a.m. Mm-hmm. And then still the normal church services at like. 9 and 10 30 and so then we would have kind of like you know finally get things wrapped up afternoon <laughs> <laughs> then you know there still could be meetings that they had or whatever, oh, yeah. and so like you know for Nikki and I we were always anxious to be like can we leave but then you know mom and dad have to talk with everybody yeah. that's still hanging around talk, trying to talk with the pastor and so
0: <laughs> Um, but something you had mentioned to me in your questionnaire that your mom always made sure to do was to bake and decorate cookie cakes on your birthdays. Ah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was the idea with cookie cakes?
1: I don't know where where it started, um, but it's definitely like a tradition. And so, okay. um, you know, basically like the you know, it's just a giant cookie and in, in like a cookie pan. Yeah. Um and so then she would decorate it based on whatever was, was kinda going on that year. Um, you know, I have a, <laughs> I was looking through some old pictures recently, um, and, um, like there, there was one year that I was, that, um, our high school was doing a Pirates of Binzance, um, musical. Sure. And so, you know, she decorated with like a pirate ship, you know, <laughs> for, for that, for that year, um, for my birthday. So, uh, yeah, it just became a trend tradition um so like you know even now i like doing a cookie cake much better than the actual like cake cake yeah <laughs> um so like, yeah we we keep doing that tradition
0: and i take it you do it for your sister's kids as well then yeah that's cool yeah. the
1: generational thing with it yeah so nikki is is much more the baker of the family so it, sure. it's her that's doing it's <laughs> not me um but but yeah
0: you still get to be there to enjoy
1: it exactly exactly <laughs>
0: Um, so transitioning on to middle school a bit, um, that's when you started really getting involved musically, and I know music is very important to you even to this day.
1: Yeah, so it was, um, in middle school I was a part of, um, chorus, um, and so I think for me that was more of, um... I don't want to say obligation cuz that's that's the wrong word to use but um my godfather was actually the the um the 5th grade music teacher. Oh okay. Um and so you know I think there was you know a little bit of a sense of like yeah I I should do this. Mm-hmm. Um and so like his his nickname was Dr. Rock. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I did chorus, and then, in sixth grade, I started with band um and I still remember like you know kind of that that band audition day where they're like you know let's let's try you out on some instruments, and so for me, like going in, I knew I wanted to do percussion mm-hmm. like that's that's what I wanted to do um and part of that was because my dad was a drummer, so okay um he actually did drunk corps. um you know and marched with with a drum corps for drum corps international and so um you know he had a drum set he had mm-hmm. a xylophone um and so like yeah i just knew that i i wanted to do that <laughs> the and, beat was in your blood exactly and so you know when i went into um you know that band tryout or whatever they called it to try out instruments mm-hmm. they're like what well, would you like to try i'm like i want to do percussion and so they it did some rhythm stuff with me, and they're like, okay, so what else would you like to try? I'm like, I want to do percussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but what else? Percussion. <laughs> um And so I think they, they ultimately made me choose something else, and so I think I tried trumpet, and I couldn't even make a sound with it. <laughs> so they're like, oh, okay, so percussion, got it. <laughs> I remember in
0: fourth grade, that was like the best day for everybody. It was when the music teacher from the middle school came and it's, you tried out all of the instruments. Um, and I just, I don't know if it was the same way at all high schools, but you had to have so many years of piano before you could be a percussionist at Bedendorf. Uh, Um, I don't know if that's the same for you.
1: For me no. Okay. Um, I still haven't taken any piano lessons at all. Okay. Like it's something that I would, that I'm still interested in. I would like to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, you know and i think that you know because of because of my percussion background i think i would pick up piano pretty quickly sure um but i have not had any piano lessons
0: but funny enough that you say trumpet cuz that's what i ended up playing and i just remember like people tell me you just have to make like the buzz noise like a bee and so did then I was like, Trumpet is what I shall do.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, apparently could not do it and it sounded terrible. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, moving on. <laughs> Except I really don't think schools can probably
0: do the band tryout thing anymore because they just would put like some spray, use a tissue, and clean it mm-hmm. off. And like in COVID times, I don't see that being an okay thing. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So I'll have to ask somebody that teaches band, like, how do you do that day? Because it was a great day, but it can't happen in COVID times. Right. Um, so you ended up joining then with the the percussion for the band and stuff, and did yep. you enjoy
1: that a lot? I did. Um, so yeah, I was in band for sixth grade, um, in percussion, and um, I'll be honest, I did not like the band director at all. Um, That's okay, I didn't like mine in high school. <laughs> and his focus was, was percussion as well, and so I think he um, definitely had more was more on top of percussion students Mm -hmm. because of that um so did not like him um the summer after sixth grade didn't really practice at all um and so when i got to seventh grade i'm like you know what i don't think i want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. um and so actually dropped band um and switched over to you know instead of band i had this weird like every six weeks was a new kind of module. So, like, Homak oh. was one. Um, I don't even know what else was in kind of that module, but um, so started doing that. Um, and there was a lot of percussionists that actually dropped out after oh, his, wow. sixth grade. Um, so quite literally, they were down to two or three percussionists for seventh grade. Um, and then I heard from, from my friends that were still doing band that the the band was going to go to Disney World and play during eighth grade. And that changes everything. And I'm like, oh really? <laughs> um, and you know, I had friends that were like, you know, they're, they're probably pretty desperate for mm-hmm. percussionists next year, cause like, you know, there's only two. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, okay, free trip to Disney World if I decide to do band, okay. And so, yeah, I think it was, like, the last five or six weeks of seventh grade that I joined back into bands. <laughs> um, and then I've been doing it, you know, continually. Like I even did some some band stuff in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so, like, definitely enjoyed it. Um, in eighth grade, I started um, taking drum set lessons okay. from, from Dr. Rock. Um, <laughs> and so... You know, start a learning set at that point as well mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got started with with music. One could say he had a school of rock, yes, he did in his basement,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and something else that you told me about was, um, and I don't know what I would even have said for a perfect attendance or not for me personally, but you had perfect attendance up until seventh grade,
1: yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, yeah, with that, there was second grade was was a little iffy um, because the last day of class, mm-hmm. I started feeling sick, but it was a like a half day anyway. So I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm feeling sick, but I can it out for another mm-hmm. hour. The next day I, I got chicken pox. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, yeah, so still had perfect attendance. I'm like, OK, great. Um, But yeah, my my perfect attendance was broken in seventh grade um, because um, the dad of one of my friends actually got a press pass to see one of the shuttle launches from Florida. Oh, that's cool. And so he invited, you know, he took his son and me, um, and so we we road tripped it down to Florida and actually got to see the, the shuttle take off um at night. And so that's actually the, the picture that's up there in my Oh, office. that's awesome. Um, great it, sunset. Oh um, no that's not the sunset. That's, that's the, the shot the rocket taking off. <laughs> yeah. And so what's really cool is I took that picture. Like that's that that awesome. is mine. Um I take you did like on a, a digital camera or something? No, this was still super old school film. Okay. <laughs> so like quite literally we were um, I'm going to say six miles away. And so quite literally, I, I held up my camera to a pair of binoculars. I'm uh-huh. like, okay, let's hope that this f- turns out <laughs> and and snap some pictures. And it was the in the days of film where it's like, we'll find out after they get developed whether yeah. anything will actually show up. And thankfully, like <laughs> that did. It. You could have like, sent that to like the shuttle
0: like crew or something or put that to a magazine i mean it looks fantastic everybody
1: yeah i'm i'm happy with it yeah so so yeah because i was was traveling for that i missed like a week of of class and so that's where the that's where the streak ended
0: well shuttlecraft going to disney i mean florida was good to you in middle school you know
1: it it was worth it it was worth it (laughs)
0: So then as you kind of transitioned on to being a teenager, I know you were quite the rule follower, but um you were going to share a story about your sister <laughs> who maybe was not as much of the rule follower uh, as you. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I I was very much the 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 straight-laced, like follow the rules um you know, as far as curfew, I was the one that was always like, you know, probably about 10 minutes before curfew, like mm-hmm. I was I was already home because you know I was like I'm not going to risk, you know, get getting trapped in traffic or stuck behind you know trucks or red lights or anything like that. What was curfew for you by the way? Um it changed as I grew up. Um I think in high school it was 11. Okay. Um you know so it just depended like it got later and later yeah. as I grew up, which was nice, but um so yeah. So, for me, I was always planning ahead, you know, and making sure that I was back on time. Nikki was the one that always kind of pushed things. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, she was one that knew, okay, from this place to this place, it takes this long, and and I, you know, if I leave, and it's five minutes before, and it's a five-minute trip, I'm good. Yep. Um, and so, like, my favorite story of that is... You know, I was up with mom, and we were waiting for Nikki to get home, and our front door had one of the battery-operated like code locks. Uh huh. Um, and so, like the door was locked, and so, you know, we're mom's watching the time, and it's like Nikki's gonna be late, and then we start, you know, like one minute till curfew, we start hearing the door go beep 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 beep, and the battery was running low and so the lock would like start to like open but then stop you know it didn't have enough power to unlock it all the way so then we would hear thunk as she was trying to you know open the door and then she would have to hit the lock button to reset it Mm -hmm. and then probably type the code again and so like this kept repeating over and over again and so, finally, it worked after, you know, a couple minutes, and she walked in, and Mom's response was, you're late. <laughs> and he's like, I was on the porch. You <laughs> you heard the lock. It's like, like Nathan was... was laughing at me from the window. I was. I literally <laughs> was. Because, you know, all I'm hearing is beep, beep, beep. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> And so yeah, and mom's like, "No, you you weren't in the house," <laughs> and Nikki's like, "How how would I have known that the lock wasn't going to work?" Mm-hmm. And mom's like, "Should have planned ahead for it." Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of my favorite stories about Nikki. It's not her favorite story about oh, Nikki. I'm sure.
0: Well, <laughs> just make sure she doesn't give me a bad review or anything on the okay, podcast. I'll, I'll
1: I'll try. I'll see what I can do. <laughs>
0: um and then you had a friend group that you all like to hang out um at the bench the group at the bench kind of talk about how that started because I also had a bench that a bunch of my friends would meet at because we all would just decide to come early for school sometimes it was we had theater sometimes it was just we had band stuff but just be we would chill out there and then three people
1: turned into I think our biggest group was like 20 of us out there yeah and so I I don't even know how it really got started um but yeah this was high school um and so, with our high school, just kind of in general, um, it was it was kind of a, a community high school. So, mm-hmm. not only did it have East Moline, but it brought in students from Hampton, and Silvis, and Carbon Cliff, so some surrounding smaller schools as well. Sure. Um, so, with high school, you know, there was actually new people being incorporated into kind of our, our typical, like, middle school crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so, not sure how it started, but there, uh, outside the auditorium more benches. And so we just started, we we would get to school early, and that was kind of our um, our last minute, like, finish up homework, ask each other about the homework because we didn't figure it out the night before. Um, and it got to be the point that we, we would just hang out for, you know, we would usually get to, get to school like half an hour early. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way it just got to be time to hang out. Yeah. Um and so yeah, it was it was good. So there were there were several people that were there, and then like you know I had kind of my core group of friends, and then there were some other people you know that were friends of a a mm-hmm. core group person. So yeah, we ended up like taking up like half the hallway, <laughs> and you know, but it was it was just a good time to hang out with people. Mm-hmm. No, I think those are definitely the times that at the moment you're like, this isn't a big deal, but those are the things you truly remember. Right, right. And I mean, there's, there's pictures of all of us, you know, hanging out at the bench, like working on homework. Um, you know, there was a lot of times that, that jessica she was the the smartest one of the group like mm-hmm. you know where there there were a lot of us that were more on like that ap track yep but jess was by far like the the smartest of the group <laughs> and so there was several times that we were like okay jessica tell us about this this reading that we should have read but we didn't <laughs> and she'd be like okay so here's the cliff notes version that you need mm-hmm. now we all need a friend like
0: that exactly um, and then in your physics class, you got to build hovercraft. So that kind of, like, jumpstarts what I know about you having been an engineer in undergrad. So
1: talk about building a hovercraft. Yeah, so that was that was one of our, like, semester kinds of projects. And so we had to work in, I think it was groups of four. Um, and quite literally, like, we had to build a hovercraft that could, like, support us mm-hmm. as, as a group. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so it wasn't just like a you know, like, you know, a little CD. Like, it was sure. quite literally, you know, like, <laughs> it, it, the final product kind of looked like two pallets, essentially. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it was, Well, um, you know, the, the four of us, we worked actually at um, Jessica's house because her dad was just kind of a handyman carpenter. Like, you know, that wasn't his... His profession, but mm-hmm. like he, he, definitely liked all that stuff. Yeah. So we're like, hey, buddy, help us out. <laughs> um, and so yeah, it was, uh, it was a really cool design. Um, it was definitely bulky because like, you know, there, there were several of us that were a little bit bigger uh, as far as people. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it worked out well, and we were actually able to like you know start floating down the hallway on it. That's awesome. That's very cool. I've never heard of a project like that, especially not within high school. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it was intense as far as a project. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think ours was definitely, you know, this is very biased, but I think ours was the best out out of everyone that was there. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it it was a cool project. So, as my
0: listeners have probably figured out by now, you have worked for College Systems for a couple of years now. Um, did you always know college was something you were really excited about doing and what eventually made it that Iowa state was where you chose to start your college career at?
1: Um, so yeah, I think for me, college was kind of, has always kind of been expected. Um, so definitely like my parents as well as like my grandparents definitely valued education. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I kind of remember, you know, my my dad's dad, my grandfather, um, he he wanted you know the best education for for his children and his grandchildren, and so he would actually have us bring in our report cards to him, mm-hmm. um, and we would get a quarter for each A oh, that we had cool. on our report card. And so, um, you know, from from him and, and also from my parents, it was very much like education gets you further. Yeah, uh, and so. I kind of always knew that I was going to go to college. Um, Didn't really know where or for what, but was going to go to college. Um, And so as I was going through high school and kind of as we talked about with, like, the physics class, you know, I was really good with math and science. Um, Definitely had kind of the more engineering background. Um, And one of the things that... So this is really random, but it's kind of started my my journey into engineering was I got a a book from a bookstore that was um house plans, and so it was like okay. um you know kind of what what the floor plans look like for like these really expensive <laughs> mansions and things like that, not like your everyday kinds of homes sure um <laughs> and so I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool." I can do this. You know, it's just draw <laughs> drawing out things, drawing out rooms and and you know, figuring out what's what's the best flow. Yeah. Um, you know, I can do this. Uh, and so started kind of getting into getting interested in civil engineering. Um and so actually did an architecture discovery camp at Washington University in St. Louis. Okay. Um it was like a I think oh, a one or two week program. And just kind of focus on like looking at architecture and um, found out that architecture has way more drawing than what is necessary (laughs) and so you know that kind of reconfirmed my plan of engineering being the route with more Mm -hmm. of the the science math you know let's make it stand. Didn't want to be so much of an artist? No, I'm a terrible artist. I have great stick figures. Okay. That that's that's the extent. You'll be a um, real winner and hangman then. Exactly, exactly. And so so yeah, um so during high school I, I kinda always knew that like engineering and specifically civil engineering was what I wanted to go to college for. Mm-hmm. Um so senior year as I was, you know, kind of you know, figuring out like what college plans are, uh, I knew that I wanted to stay in the Midwest, um, and so when you're thinking about engineering schools in the Midwest, you know you're you're probably thinking Iowa State, mm-hmm. um, and for me, I, I also looked at University of Illinois, okay, um, in Urbana-Champaign, and so I did a campus visit at both, uh, and so I I remember Iowa State was first, and once I stepped on campus, like I, I'm like this is home, you know, thousand percent understand that. <laughs> and so yeah just felt like you know I'm like yes I can definitely see myself here you know everyone was very welcoming like I I felt like everybody was very much like uh you need to go here like Mm -hmm. this this is the place that you need to be um and so I definitely felt that but of course me being the logical person I'm like well maybe I'm just excited because it's college and so it's you know, I'm just really excited about college, not necessarily Iowa State for college. Um, and so I, I'm like, okay, well, I'll still do the University of Illinois campus visit as well. Um, and so went went on their visit and it was just a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas Iowa State is really, like, pedestrian friendly and really kind of, you know, centered around one location. Yeah. Um you know obviously we've grown since then but you know it was more compact the university of illinois was very um you know in the middle of a town and so like you would have one building here for campus but it would be next to all these other businesses and then like two blocks down oh. would be like the, the next campus bus- campus building yeah um and so like i just didn't like the campus as much i i definitely felt like more of a number there and it was kind of a mm-hmm. If you if you come here, great. If you don't, we don't care. Yeah. It's not going to hurt us. Um, and so that just really reconfirmed, like, Iowa State, you know, was the place that I needed to go for mm-hmm. college. And so, um, you know, yeah, that solidified it. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> let's <laughs> si- sign the deadline. <laughs> you know, let's accept. And, and here we are.
0: Yeah, see, I was not excited about college visits and stuff. Like, I knew college was something I had to do. But it was not something that I was, like, super excited. I'm just like, oh, it's a piece of the the time of life. You have to just kind of check that part Mm. of it off. Um, And my aunt would be okay with me sharing this story because she loves joking about it. But um, she gave me a tour of the University of Iowa, which is her alma mater, and I just was like... Things that were cool for her back then were not cool. The nicest residence hall back then was no longer the nicest residence hall. So I was like, this is not cool. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be here. And then my parents and I actually did a real tour of Iowa State. And I just was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. And all of my family were Hawkeye fans. So I was very much a black sheep, but I was like... I like it here. This is nice. Everyone said this place isn't great, but I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like for me, you know, part part of the the issue was I would be going out of state because yeah. even though I was, you know, I'm from the Quad Cities, mm-hmm. I was from the Illinois side yep. of the Quad Cities. Um, you know, I I made the joke with people, you know, I'm close enough to Iowa to see it from my house. But far enough away to pay out of state tuition yep um, but thankfully you know because of of scholarships it actually worked out that Iowa State was just as as comparable if not even a little cheaper than University of Illinois we so love I'm like that. okay great <laughs> well that makes it workable
0: <laughs> so what were some of your favorite things as an undergraduate student that you did here
1: um so for me like you know I guess I I should back up and, you know, first just talk about, like, the transition to college. Sure, totally. Um, because for me, um, I knew of one other person from my high school that was coming to Iowa State. Mm. Um, You know, so, you know, very much like the, you know, for UT, it was very much like staying in Illinois. And okay. And so, like, you know, for me to go to Iowa State was kind of an outlier. Hmm. Um so the other person that I knew that was going here um wasn't even really friends with her. Okay. Um and she, she was also going to be on the other side of campus. And so quite literally I was kind of like, okay, well, if you're going to have a good time here, like you got to figure stuff out. You got to mm-hmm. make some friends. Um and so quite literally so my my first year I was living in a residence hall. Um and so I just started, like, going around the hall and meeting people. Um, mm-hmm. And so, as you know, Iowa State uses, like, the house system. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I would go around my house, which was essentially a section of of, of the building's floor, um, and just start talking with people that had their doors open, mm-hmm. you know, so that way I could try and meet some people. Um, and so, you know, I ended up... <laughs> really becoming social you know even though that was very much outside of outside of my comfort zone you mm-hmm. know as we talked about i'm an introvert <laughs> um but i kind of forced myself to be extroverted that first year mm-hmm. um and i paid off like i definitely got connected with people um i was actually elected as one of the co-social chairs for oh, the wow. house yeah as a freshman um because there was like three upperclassmen that that were already doing it and they were like we would really like a freshman to be like in the in this too, mm-hmm. and everybody's just kind of looking around, <laughs> looking around, I'm like okay, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? <laughs> um, and so there was an upperclassman that lived at the end of the hall, um, and so you know I got to know her really well as well. Um, but as I would like go around the house talking with people, she would just kind of affectionately called it Nathan's on his rounds again. <laughs> you were already preparing to be a community advisor from yes. day one. Yes. You know, without really knowing it, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, my first year, I, I was trying to get invested into, like, student orgs with my major. Okay. Um, so, like, that first year, you know, I, I definitely joined, like, the American Society of Civil Engineers. Um, there's a steel bridge team. I think it still exists. Um oh, it was at least a big deal, you know, previously. So it was, um, the steel bridge team would actually design a, a bridge made out of steel. Um, and then competitions were based on, like, the structure itself. But then you also had to, like, build it in a certain amount of time. It had to Dang. hold a certain amount of weight. Um, you know, there were all kinds of parameters with it. Mm-hmm. And so my first year, I tried to be involved more on the civil engineering side. Um, but really, you know, the the kind of the housing side really kind of, you know, caught me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I said, I was I was a co-social chair. Um, one of the things that I remember us doing mm-hmm. was there was actually a a film festival put on by the, oh. um, Inter Residence Hall Association IRHA. So like the, the the governing body for all of the residence halls yep. on campus. Um, and so they put together a film festival, and so our our social committee was kind of in charge of like putting it all together. And so like yeah, I actually have starred in a film that was aired to everybody at Iowa State. Um, so it was called The Day on on Lord Russell, which was um, the the house name was Lord Russell. Um, so I got involved with that, and then um, actually applied um, and ran for the hall social chair. Okay. So, um, Fraley hall, what is the largest residence hall on campus. Mm-hmm. so one of the largest in the nation, correct. And so, um, I think at, at the time it had about 1100 students. And so I was elected as social, social chair for the entire hall. And so, um, me and my committee like put together, I think 10 events during the academic year, my sophomore year. Um and so, like you know, starting kind of with with sophomore year, I got a lot more invested in like the residence hall side of things, mm-hmm. and so actually, like attended conferences um both regional and national conferences for um residence hall uh things <laughs> associations uh, um, each school kind of holds the different things, but yeah um, so got involved with that um was actually part of a um bid team to actually bring those conferences here to Iowa State. Um, unfortunately, that never really panned out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, I was part of that bid team process for, like, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really disappointed that it never worked out because there was a lot of time and energy that we were putting into it. Um, but, yeah, then my junior and senior year, um, I became, was hired as a community advisor. Um, and so... Was um, a community advisor for both years in our all-male residence hall. Okay. Um, and then during the summer uh, was, a res- uh, was a community advisor in Buchanan Hall. Um, Which will play a part in your future. Exactly. Exactly. A little <laughs> foreshadowing there. <laughs> so you got to stay tuned to, to hear the rest of the Buchanan story. hmm So, yeah, I just got involved a lot in, with residence hall mm-hmm. stuff. So when did you kind of start realizing,
0: like, I I know you still loved your undergrad major, but when did you start kind of realizing, like, I might want to do a master's, and I might want to do it something outside of the engineering realm?
1: So I think it was junior year um, where I started kind of exploring that. Um, and so was definitely loving my time as a community advisor. Like, it definitely has its struggles. Like, do, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but, like you know I really started talking with like then current hall directors to to kind of ask about like how how do you do this as your job like how Mm -hmm. how is this a a thing um and then that that summer when I was in Buchanan um our hall director was was facing some medical issues and so she was out for most of the summer Mm -hmm. um and so you know even though there was of course like you know professional staff support you know it wasn't like we were just left on our own but in a way we kind of were and so like our our staff of I think six CAs at the time like we were kind of running things you know and so we we were planning the events we were meeting residents Mm -hmm. you know um and it was an interesting dynamic because it was um not just current students but it was also um, they had a program called Trial Enrollment. So okay. it was um, high school seniors that were basically taking a college class to figure out, like, is college something I can do? And that so, sounds like it would have been hard to be a CA four. Uh-huh. And so it was definitely, like, a big mix of students. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just a really impactful summer to be like, okay, the, the six of us are doing this. We're running things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really solidified, yeah, like this is, this is the area that I want to go into, um, which was also hard <laughs> to, to recognize that because, you know, at this point, like I've already completed three years. Yep. Um, and so for me, I'm like, okay, well to enter kind of into a student affairs, higher education realm, you, you have to go to grad school, mm-hmm. um, um. You know, there are some bachelor, bachelor's required positions. Um, but really, like, you want to have a master's to, to kind of get into the field. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, like, I knew I was going to go to grad school. And to go to grad school, you need to have an undergrad degree. Uh-huh. And at this point, I was like, okay, well, I'm already so far through my degree. Like, I need to just finish this degree. Mm-hmm. So that way I can move on. Um, and so, yeah, finished out my senior year, um, you know, with civil engineering, even though I knew that I wasn't going to go into that, mm-hmm. um, and then started grad school that that following mm-hmm. fall. Please tell the story about, so you went to
0: Northern Arizona, but you had to do like a um, a grad days thing for another school, and you almost missed a train to get there, and that your sister really <laughs> saved your butt that day. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, there. You know, as I was looking at at grad schools, um, there was a few that I was interested in. I was really focused on, again, trying to stay Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was looking at like Western Illinois University has a really strong um, higher education program. Kind of my outlier school was Colorado State University. Sure. Um, that was kind of you know as far as I was willing to go um and then Northern Arizona University was really kind of the <laughs> the the you know really random school like wasn't going to go there and then ended up going and graduating yep. from there it was my texas time <laughs> uh-huh um so yeah it was colorado state um that i had um i had an on campus visit they had kind of a a grad school kind of days where you know i think it was Two days maybe, um, where I was actually there and doing interviews and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, of course, college student, you know, try to save money however you can. Mm-hmm. Um, found out that there was a train that would go from Des Moines to Denver. Um, and then I had an aunt that lives in Denver that could take me up to Colorado State. It was like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes away. Not bad. Um, and so I'm like, well, that works out for her schedule. I'm going to just take the train overnight. Mm-hmm. And so I planned it so that, you know, I would I would take the train overnight. I would get there in the morning. And then um, I think the first thing was like 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. And so I would have some time to just kind of, you know, be on campus, kind of see things, you know, see things on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I could actually, like, go and get ready for the interview and then, you know, get on the suit and all that jazz. And then, you know, put put on the, the interview face <laughs> and, and make it happen. Um, but, of course, this was happening in February. And for those that know, February in Iowa, blizzards happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my sister was was taking me down to the train station because she was going to use the car while I was gone. And I'm like, that's fine. Um, so while we were traveling down there... Um, one of my tires completely shredded. Um, so not just, like, flat tire, but, like, it popped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we pulled over to on the side of the road, even though there's already snow. And this is, of course, the interstate, not just, like, a road road. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we changed the tire, put the spare on. Um, but now we are stuck in the median because of the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> we we call she calls a friend that she knows has a car cuz we're still trying to like get me to the train station mm-hmm. on time um they end up missing us on the highway and so no. had to like keep going down and around so they they finally loop back find us um and so at this point I'm like I've I've already missed the train mm-hmm. like and so you know, we we work with a tow company, get it out. You know, get back to Ames. And so now I'm panicking, trying to figure out like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um. So like, I'm I'm researching flights. I'm trying to contact Amtrak to figure out like what I can do with my ticket. Um. You know, I'm like, do I just drive out there? Mm-hmm. Um. So trying to figure all this out. Um. And of course it's like you know nine ten o'clock at night so nobody's opened. um you know i can't reach the people that i'm supposed to talk with at colorado state because uh-huh. they're not in the office at 9 p.m um so yeah it ended up being a hot mess um found out from amtrak that um i could just take the next train the next day mm-hmm. um and so ended up taking a train out there the following day even though it meant that I missed the first couple things but I'm like I can't fly out there like it's just not possible um and so like they were Colorado State was marginally understanding about that so like quite literally um took the train overnight um changed into my suit on the train Um, my aunt picked me up, drove me to Colorado State, and I literally walked into an interview, a group interview, midway through with my luggage in hand to finish out the rest of the days.
0: (laughs) You gotta do what you gotta do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I was there. Like, it was definitely a a very cool school. I met some people that I'm still connected with on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um... but yeah, I did not get an offer from them. Yeah. <laughs> but then Northern Arizona. Yeah. So Northern <laughs> Arizona, like this was, this was a school that reached out to me um, at the Oshkosh Placement Exchange, which is basically like a, you know, for lack of a better term, a, a job fair for you know, especially like residence life yeah. people that are are looking for positions. Um, and so I was there interviewing with a whole bunch of schools for, for grad school positions. Um and Northern Arizona happened to be there. Um, so they sent me a message saying, Hey, you know, we we checked out your resume online, we would love to talk with you. I'm like, Oh, I'll talk with you, but I'm not going to any I'm not going to Arizona. Like that's way outside of my my mm-hmm. search radius. Um but real what really stood out to me with them was they were very they, they did a lot of follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just a, hey, are you coming to our school? It was like, how are you doing? How are you balancing your senior year while you're doing all this job search stuff? It like, makes you, a difference. How are you doing personally? Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I really didn't think that, that I was going to like them mm-hmm. um, because they were so far out of my search radius but they ended up um, offering me in uh, a second round interview and they let me do it through phone um, because I was so far away Mm -hmm. Um, and during that phone interview like it was during spring break so I was at home and so trying to do this this phone interview with like everybody in my family like wandering around like there wasn't really like a private place to do this and so literally like my mom is like walking by the hall by by the room that I'm I'm talking with them in. And like the the most awkward part was at one point she slips me a note that says, Stop saying um so much in the middle of the interview. Like that doesn't just gum up the works right then and there. Right? And so like literally I like, I was mid question and like stopped to read this note and was like I'm I'm sorry I lost my place. What was the question? <laughs> um, so it was just so awkward, and I'm like, well, that that schools out, <laughs> and it's okay because they, I wasn't going to Arizona yeah. anyway. Um, but clearly it did not go that bad because they they said they wanted me, mm-hmm. so they actually offered me a grad assistantship in residence life, and and I was accepted into their program. That's awesome. What were some of the best things that you got to do while you were there? And hmm Um. Great question. Um. So, like, my program was was originally two years. It was a counseling focused program. Okay. Um, and so for me to go from a heavy like math, science, engineering. <laughs> undergrad uh into a counseling affectionately (laughs) touchy-feely kind of major um that was a big struggle Mm -hmm. and so one of the really cool things about NAU was I was able to talk with both the assistantship and the program about extending my my program Mm -hmm. um and so both the program and the assistantship were willing to extend it so I actually change it to a three-year program. Okay. Um, so I was able to take less classes a semester and really kind of focus in. Um, and that allowed me to do um, more within my assistantship. Um, so um, my first two years, I was a graduate assistant residence hall director um, for a 500 to 600 person, all freshman building. Um, and so, it was nice to be able to like, um, co-run this building. So, um, my direct supervisor was the full-time hall director. Um, and she very much came at, at this as a, um, this is a joint venture. Like we are partners, we are a team, we run this building together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it, I got to do everything with that. I got to do staff supervision and event planning. You know, mm-hmm. I was in charge of advising the hall council. Um and for them, for NEU, like their hall councils are very big into homecoming. So they, okay. like, they have a homecoming parade and like it's it's expected that every hall council will do something for the parade, mm-hmm. so you know, quite literally I was helping with floats. One year I was driving the, the truck for the float in the parade. Um which that was that was really wild too. Um
0: Texas Tech was really big on um homecoming boards and so we'd have a new theme every year mm-hmm. and it was the hall council's jobs to paint different boards.
1: Yeah. yeah. So like you know, for me it was you know, very weird coming from Iowa State where homecoming was very much a greek life mm-hmm. kind of thing um you know i think it's morphing a little bit now but yeah um yeah back during my time as, as an undergrad student was very much greek life does that so you know i i was able to do that which which was really cool like res mm-hmm. life was where i wanted to be my third year i was able to run a smaller building by myself that's cool um and so it was a I think uh, a 60 to 80 person, apartment style upperclassmen um, building. And so it was nice to be able to run that a little bit on my own yeah. and have a staff of three that I only supervised. And um, so I got some really cool experiences with that. Um, because I was um, a third year, I got more opportunities because I knew the role. Yeah. Um, and so like, a few of the things that I was able to do was um i did a i did an internship with res life um where um basically they had a coordinator overall like student conduct things mm-hmm. um well that person left the position and there wasn't anybody immediate to fill that position sure and so me and another grad student did internships with student conduct and basically split that coordinator position as as grad students mm-hmm. um and so we were able to you know really be more intentional like have have more intentional relationships with you know people that were at the coordinator level, which would be like our our boss's boss mm-hmm. level um you know, so we got to connect with more people that way. We also sat in on, um, basically, the, at, at most campuses now. There's a committee um, that meets to talk about any um, prevalent student issues, and so. Oh, like a care team. Yes, and so um, I actually got to sit in on that nice. because of this internship um, as kind of like one of the res life reps, mm-hmm. um, and so was, you know, meeting on a weekly basis with you know, counseling services, mm-hmm. with, with the police department, you know, with um, student life, you know. So so really getting to kind of sit in on meetings that I would never have the opportunity to do, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. normally. You yeah. get a seat at the table,
0: and that's not something every grad
1: student gets. Exactly. Um, and I also got to sit on a couple, um, a couple different search teams, um, even for, like, coordinator-level search teams mm-hmm. because of that and got to sit on some university committees. So, like, I sat on um, the University Commission on Disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really kind of focusing on how do we, how do we make our campus more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really eye-opening to be, you know, seated at that table.
0: Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like that grad experience really sets you up to be very successful moving forward into professional life. Um, and after being at NAU, you transitioned into full time at the University of Nebraska Lincoln, um, and that's somewhere where you got to meet um, a group that you refer to as your second family. Kind of talk about that group that you met and how they very much helped you during the first few years as a new professional.
1: Yeah, so after NAU, um, like you said, I went to went to UNL um, and was hired as as a full time hall director mm-hmm. there. Um, and kind of the way that that their campus is set up um, is kind of in in three different areas okay Um, and so each area is led by a coordinator and then um, there's usually like four or five hall directors that are are part of like that that area that Mm -hmm. team Um, and so I was in Cather Hall Um, it was connected by a a walkway and a dining hall to Pound Hall, um, Mm -hmm. and so, um, the Pound Hall director was Diane, and then next to my building, um, was an apartment-style complex, and that was led by Carmen, and, Mm -hmm. um, her husband was Fred. Okay. And so, Carmen and Fred and Diane, um, and I were, just kind of instantly became, like, this group, uh. Carmen Fred and Diane had all been there the year before I arrived. Okay. Um and I think Carmen and Fred were actually there even before Diane arrived as well. Um so I was kind of the the new person um of the of the group when I arrived there. Um but like the thing that I remember most um about that first year is Carmen and Fred and their one-year-old daughter Grace. Okay. Um would would literally have to walk out of their apartment complex and into my building through my building to get to the dining hall. Okay. Um and so they were they were very structured that six PM was dinner time. Mm -hmm. Um and so like they would walk through my building and literally by my office. Um and they got to you know fred is is very protective of people as as is (laughs) carmen um carmen is kind of a mother hen um but both of them were you know i distinctly remember fred being like nathan it's six it's dinner time let's go i'm like fred i'm i'm finishing some stuff up I'll, i'll get up there he's like no it's six. Like, let's go. It's dinner time. Um, and so quite literally, I would have to shut things down mm-hmm. and get out of my office and, and go up with them to dinner. Um, and Diane would come from the other direction and meet us there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they really helped kind of teach me about, like, work-life balance. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, things things will still be there tomorrow. Yeah. You, you can still address it. But, like, you don't need to be in the office at, at all hours of the night. Um, and so, yeah, we just got really close. Um, you know, with, with UNL, it was not the right fit for me, okay. Um, and quite honestly, it was not the right fit for them either, yeah. Um, and so, there was a lot of really crappy situations, not just like your normal res life dealing with. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but, like, there was some, like, inner workings with things that, you know, just really did not go well. Yeah. And so, you know, I think, uh, you know, part of the, the friendship that was formed there was because of everything else that wasn't going mm-hmm. well there.
0: The people that are there with you in the trenches. I have my group of people like that, too. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And so, like, we can relate to what was going on, especially with, you know our issues with our supervisor like we we could all relate to that Mm -hmm. and we understood what was going on and so you know that was you know they were just really impactful for me um unfortunately (laughs) diane diane like i said had already been there a year Mm -hmm. and really got the brunt of um brunt of the poop that was thrown at her um and so by the end of my first year was the end of her second year and she's like I'm out y'all I'm I'm sorry I hate to leave you but I'm I'm out. Yeah. I'm leaving. Um and so for me I'm like okay I you know I know this first year has been tough but uh, you know the first year whatever job that you're in is going to be tough. That is true. And so I'm like I'm I'm going I'm going to do another year. Like mm-hmm. I I can do this. Um and then Carmen got a new position, oh, and oof. so she left in the summer, and so now I'm like, oh, crap.
0: You're there at six o'clock at dinner, and you're like, oh, with the Spongebob meme, the gang's all here.
1: Right? Uh-huh. It's like, oh, okay. Um... So yeah, and my second year was just as hard as my first. And so mm-hmm. by October, I I knew like the this can't be where I continue. Mm-hmm. And so you know even though it, it sucked, you know by by October November of my second year, I was already like okay, I want to job search yep. and and find something different.
0: But you ended that
1: year, weren't you Advisor of the Year? Yeah. So so like that that year went really well. Like you know my whole council was great. You know, I felt like I was really, you know, even though I was leaving, you know, I was focused on, okay, what what can I influence? Mm -hmm. You know, even though I know this is not, I'm not having the experience that I want, how do I continue to make this a good experience for my Mm -hmm. students? Um, And so I just really kind of focused in on my student staff and on my hall council. Um, I also got to be a co-advisor to kind of their residence hall association um, and so yeah, my my hall council nominated me for advisor of the year, mm-hmm. and and I was chose chosen as that um, for campus. Um, my hall was also chosen as hall of the year. There you um, go that year. And so it was it was just a great um, great group of students that I got to work with. Yeah. Um, I'm still connected with with some of them. Um, you know, they're of course scattered all over the country. Yeah. now. but. Um, you know it was great working with them, and so, you know, thankfully the way things worked out, I was able to finish my second year. Um, kind of the transition to University of Central Missouri was mm-hmm. interesting. Um, so kind of the way it it worked was, and this is kind of going forward to go backwards, but, um, so Carmen moved to University of Central Missouri, mm-hmm. um. And they were trying to expand their academic advising. Okay. And so, Carmen knew that I was I was searching and I was searching specifically for Res Life positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sent me a message and and a position description for the academic advisor position, and was very much like, I know this isn't what you're looking for, mm-hmm. but take a look at this. I think you would be great. You know, you don't have to apply, but I I think you'd be good for mm-hmm. it. Um, you know and so I really kind of applied for that position because of her recommendation I'm like oh okay I'll try it but yeah. I'm, I'm really trying to stay res life um so I think I actually put in my application um like the week before maybe two weeks before finals week um and so like it was just a weird time frame with yeah. everything um but ended up getting getting a response right away, and they asked for an interview, um, and so you know they were they were nice enough to arrange uh, a Zoom interview for mm-hmm. me, so I didn't have to like travel down there. Which that was before probably Zoom interviews were the norm, right? Um, so yeah, it might have been Skype, but you know a, a video conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, tomato, tomato. Exactly. And then Zoom and Skype come at me, and they're like, "We are not the same thing." Exactly. Yeah, that's on you. You're in the podcast runner. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so they did a they did a video interview with me. Um and, you know, it was it was about an hour. Um so I'm like, okay, that was a great first round interview. Mm-hmm. Um to be honest, like, you know, I was anticipating kind of the Res Life schedule of like you have a first round phone interview and yeah. then you have you know, if you're invited to a second round, then that's going to be on campus. Yeah. So that was very much my mindset. Sometimes there's even a third round. Right. Um. And so when I did the the video conference interview with them, you know, I figured that that was the first first round. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I I thought I bombed it because they're they're asking questions about like how do you interact with faculty, <laughs> and my experience is. I don't, yeah, because I'm in res life. We we don't interact (laughs) at all. Um, But apparently, they've really liked me because they. I got a call from HR. They're like, "We would like to offer you the job." I'm like, "I'm I'm sorry, I misheard you." But (laughs) you're you're offering me a second round interview, right? They're like, "No, (laughs) we're offering you the job." and so I think that was the Monday of finals week mm-hmm. that I got that offer. Um and and so yeah, I I I thought it over and I accepted it. And I'm like, okay, this is a big change, but I'm I'm ready for it. Let's okay. let's do it. Um so from interview to my first day of work was two and a half weeks. Um so, <laughs> you didn't miss a paycheck, I'll at least tell you that. Right. So yeah, um, thankfully Fred and Carmen were nice enough to put me up in their house Mm -hmm. for a few weeks as I was still trying to figure out, um, where I was going to live. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so it was, it was a really wild transition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, did not come at the best time of the semester. Usually Uh, that's when things happen. Exactly. And so, so it worked out, like I said, I was able to finish out the year, um, Actually, it worked out that I was able to even—I um, was supposed to um, be a co-advisor for a summer conference mm-hmm. with UNL. And thankfully, I was able to work out that I could still go to the conference even though I was meeting oh, them there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I was still able to support them because there was a team that was um, bidding for an office at that conference. And so, yeah. you know, I had been working with them all year long. And so it was nice to, like, still see them through that. As that, you're
0: showing up in your Central Missouri shirt.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, it was awkward because I wasn't even, like, flying with them. I was meeting them at the conference. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, but thankfully, UCM was willing to work with me as far as, like, time off to, yeah. to go and do it. So That's great.
0: So what was kind of your time at the University of Central Missouri like? You were staying with your friends, trying to find a place to live.
1: Yeah, so... Thankfully, I was able to find an apartment pretty quickly mm-hmm. um so I didn't have to like keep crashing with them like they they would have welcomed it but you know i I definitely felt like I was intruding <laughs> um but yeah, like I really liked the the academic advising um there i I love the team that I was mm-hmm. working with um you know definitely felt comfortable in the role um the thing that was um you know, to try and make this shorter. Um, one thing that kind of worried me about advising was it didn't seem like there was much of a, a place to go with oh, okay. with with the role. Because um, quite literally, I was working with with a colleague that um, she had been there, I think sixteen or seventeen years as, as an advisor, and I'm like, oh okay, there's no there's no forward movement. There's not you know a, a promotion a level because mm. um, they their their kind of setup was like the advisors were supervised by um the assistant dean for the college sure um and so it's like they don't just open up those every day right and even so like that would come from faculty it wouldn't come from staff yeah And so you know for me it was kind of a ooh, i like this but where do i go with it sure um and so to be honest i really wasn't looking to leave ucm Mm -hmm. um you know cuz I was very comfortable like I was thinking what's my next step mm-hmm. but you know when the position at Iowa State opened up I really wasn't trying to leave UCM Yeah. um and so, which was a very unique place to be <laughs> cuz <'cause>, you know <laughs> I was used to Lincoln where I'm like I'm getting out yeah um but yeah so Iowa State um had a, a mid-year vacancy in a residence hall director role um and so you know, I had kind of missed that that residence hall director piece because, you know, you got so much more interaction with students, you know, so I felt like I really got to know my hall council and and really got to know my student staff, Mm -hmm. you know, and even students in the building, I got to know them fairly well, but when I was advising, I would see a student once a semester. Sure. Um, and so, like, there were some that I got a better relationship with, but you know, I didn't have the same level of student interaction that I did in housing. And so, you know, when a position opened up at Iowa State, I had always hoped to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when I was looking at grad schools, I kind of wanted to stay here for grad school and had a mentor that kind of said, no, you need to go find a different experience. Yeah. You, you can always come back to Iowa State. And so I I really hoped that I would be able to and so when when this mid-year position opened up, I'm like, well, I'm going to kick it myself if I don't apply for it. Yeah. Um, so ended up applying, got an on-campus interview, um, and just really um, felt connected with, with the people that were in ResLife at the time. And um, several of the, the coordinators um, had actually, like, were still here <laughs> from when I was a student. Uh-huh. And so um it was weird and nice to be able to walk into that coordinator interview and actually like you know have people hug me and i'm like this is weird for an interview but i'm glad you all still remember me (laughs) um and so yeah the the interview went really well um And I was ultimately offered the the position to be mm-hmm. the Buchanan hall residence hall director, and which,
0: like we foreshadowed before, where that was where you were for
1: a summer exactly, and so it was it was interesting that it was specifically Buchanan that was open um and so yeah i moved moved in during um fall break and yep. so so moved in fall break and then started right right after that, yeah um on December second, yeah. And so, yeah, got right back into Res Life things. You know, and very much hope that, you know, my issues at Lincoln were because of Lincoln and not because of Res Life. Exactly. Because <laughs> it can be, it's stuff that follows you, and sometimes it is, it stays at one place. Right. And so, you know, my hope was that I would I would like Res Life better because it was at Iowa State. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, and then like we talked about in the beginning, that's when you and I ended up meeting and Mm -hmm. you kind of started taking me under your wing a bit and stuff. I remember, um, a big reason I came to go talk to you one day was I was moving to the Memorial Union closed down their hotel and it was becoming a residence hall. And I initially was going to be, Hey, I'm going to be moving to an apartment complex. What is that like to be? Hey, I know I emailed you about this, not doing that anymore. I'm going to do this weird (laughs) ass thing that neither of us know about And like kind of going through that in that meeting and being like, how do I build community in a new residence hall? And so a lot of the advice it sounds like you got from mentors, I remember you also imparting
1: to me in that meeting. Yeah, and I do remember that meeting because I'm like, we just talked about this and you were going to the apartments. Like where, where did the MU come from? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, I remember too, it had like a link to the MU's residence hall, whatever it was at that point to Buchanan. And so you're also like, am I overseeing this? And so you're like, I'm leaving this meeting, I think with more questions than you have.
1: Yep. yep. <laughs> Cause you know, that was, that was brand new. And it was very much related to, you know, at that time, campus was booming Mm -hmm. um and so like overall like iowa state enrollment was way way up um Mm -hmm. i think hitting record levels and on-campus populations was was up and so quite literally department of residence was leasing off-campus apartments they they were transitioning the hotel into Mm -hmm. you know a new residence hall quote-unquote and so yeah it was a it was a time of space crunch yeah
0: um, I know. Also, during that time too, your family had a really
1: hard thing happen. Your mother ended up passing away. Yeah. So, um, so I started here in in December um, of twenty sixteen, um, and so like that was when I started the position. My mom was diagnosed with cancer back in May twenty fourteen. Okay. Um, and so she was specifically diagnosed with. With cancer in the bile ducts of her liver. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, the, the prognosis wasn't good at that time. Um, so, really, they were, they were kind of giving her a year to live. Um, and yeah, so, but, you know, mom was really fighting that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was doing chemo, she was doing some immunotherapy um, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um. So she was definitely a strong fighter, um. And so you know, even after that one year mark, um, you know, they things were were going well. Mm-hmm. Like she seemed to be doing pretty good. Um. Like I said, she was doing some uh, an experimental cancer treatment with immunotherapy, um, in Nashville, and so. That required mom and dad to travel out there. Yeah. Um, and with that, they would actually, um, spend the night in Hope Lodge, um, with the American Cancer Society. So, um, American Cancer Society basically. Almost has like a hotel operation with their Hope Lodges, where, yeah. um, cancer patients and their caregivers, can spend the night, uh, in a Hope Lodge as they're you know doing treatments away mm-hmm. from home. Um. And so, yeah, May, May 2015 came around and things were going all right. Um, I think it was that fall that she was doing the immunotherapy, um, when they came out to move me around fall break, no, November, 2015, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could definitely see that she was much more tired, um and so like you know there there had been times that that I would be home and she would have to take a nap but you know like that break now grantedly they had gone to Nashville for a treatment and mm-hmm. then came straight to Missouri to to help me move um but yeah she looked really tired and like we had to really convince her to actually just like sit and supervise versus you know she just wanted to be involved in everything mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I really started seeing things slow down. Um, and so, um, like I said, December 2015 was when I started here. Um, and then January was when things really went downhill. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, I actually got a call, um, I, I was planning on going down for my birthday weekend the following weekend but I got a call um that was basically like you have to come home (laughs) things are not going well um and so rushed back um and it was kind of at that point that um you know mom wasn't doing well it was kind of the the beginning of the end Mm -hmm. um and so was there for a weekend, um, but like I had also just started this job, so came back, um, you know, so that I could be here, um, even though mom was still in the hospital at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and so was here for a couple days, and then got the call like, no, you you have to come back. Mom's going into hospice care, um, and so she was able to. Um, thankfully it was in home hospice care so she Mm -hmm. could be home Um, but that was really rough Um, because you know that that weekend before like there was still some interaction with her and so I was still able to talk with her Um, you know that middle of the week no Um, Mm -hmm. so like you know she had a hospital basically a hospital bed um, at home and like she wasn't really responsive at all. Um and so it was just kind of waiting for her bye. Um so yeah, that was that was really rough. Um, you know, thankfully we had a lot of family around mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of support. Um but yeah, it's you know, regardless of when <laughs> you lose a parent, it's tough. But mm-hmm. you know, I never imagined that, that I would I would lose her this, this soon. I, you know, I definitely had kind of the, the 90 year old and she's in a nursing home and, you know, she's totally frail and and the body is going versus, (laughs) you know, her, her being so young and fighting cancer and, you know, of course, uh, taking that kind of toll.
0: Yeah. Um, how did you start to, kind of work through that and kind of start to move on with everything?
1: Um, so the immediate thing was I just focused on the job, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it was very much, uh, you know, thankfully I I had a supervisor that was very, like, understanding and mm-hmm. was, um, you know, she... She knew what I was going through. Oh, we can shout her out. Sally Dieters is a fantastic human being. Yes, yes. Sally is amazing. And so, you know, she was very understanding and, and helped me, you know, by giving me days off when technically I hadn't earned days off yet because mm-hmm. I'd only been here a month and a half. Um, but, you know, for me it was, okay, I I need to focus on something that isn't this. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that a lot of that semester was just focused on, like, okay, I'm going to focus on work because I can focus on work. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to focus on anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of with, as you know, with housing, you know, there's cycles. And so, oh, yeah, um, you know, once we got through the semester and we had move out, then things were slower. Yep. And so it's like, okay, now I don't have as much to focus on crap, now I'm starting to think about this. Um, And so it was really that summer that um, I really had to kind of actually face it and deal with it. Sure. Um, And so it was actually that that August that I actually sought out counseling um, so that I could start to process this. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been a long journey. Like, I'm I'm still meeting with a counselor. Yeah. um, You know, even now. There's never a timetable on grief. Exactly. And and that's very much what I'm, I'm learning with it. And uh, grief is is so weird because there's um, a lot of times that, like, things are fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's been several years. Like, um, you know, I'll just be kind of going day to day. Mm-hmm. And then with grief, all of a sudden, it's like a giant wave crashes. And it's just, boom, suddenly it's there. Yeah. Um, and so it just really comes and goes, like, Mm -hmm. Um, and there's you know sometimes there there is a specific trigger that I can you know look back on and be like oh oh yeah that's that's what brought this all up and Mm -hmm. there's other times that it's like I don't know where this came from I don't know what started this Mm -hmm. but the the grief is rough today Um, Mm -hmm. you know and so grief is just a very funny thing
0: yeah I know there are still days um, I will smell my grandmother's perfume just very oddly, and I'll just be like, what the heck? is mm-hmm. wearing
1: that around here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so, like, anything can trigger it, mm-hmm. you know, and usually it's it's very fond, positive memories. Exactly. Um, you know, which is nice, but, you know, for anyone that's kind of going through anything like this where you are losing a parent, like, you know you should definitely like reach out and mm-hmm. and get help and talk with somebody talk with a therapist a counselor mm-hmm. um to process that grief
0: this is a subject we have talked about many times on this podcast so we have shouted out a lot of good counseling resources around so yes um definitely um so as life moved on I know you moved around to a couple different buildings in re- residence life at Iowa State. Um, you have nieces and nephews now that have been born and come into the picture, um, and now you are an academic advisor. So, can you kind of talk about that transition from your academic advisor? You wanted to go back to housing to get student experience, and then what kind of led you now back to
1: you wanted to do, kind of come full circle again? Yeah. Um so for for me like you know and and as you know also being in res life like it is a very draining position Mm -hmm. um you know it it is one where you are always on Mm -hmm. even when you're you're technically off duty you're you're still living where you work yes um and so there's there's not a break and so you know for me it was just a lot of um A lot of burnout honestly Mm -hmm. by the by the time that i got to to my fourth year in red life here uh i was burned out Mm -hmm. um and it was it was noticeable to me it was noticeable to the grad student that i was supervising um and so for me that was a big wake up like okay you're you're done with this position you know how do you where do you move on from here Mm -hmm. um you know and I always kind of thought that I would continue in res life and and move into like a coordinator position or yeah. something like that um but you know I kind of realized it's going to be the the same crap <laughs> just at a different level um <laughs> more responsibility and, sometimes too exactly and so you know for me I'm like no I'm I am done like that this is not sustainable Mm -hmm. um and so for me i knew that i had to transition out of res life Mm -hmm. um and so you know from my experience at ucm i knew that i liked advising Mm -hmm. and so um there was a position that opened up in mechanical engineering at iowa state and i knew that i wanted to stay at iowa state especially because um my sister and brother-in-law and their family had moved to Mm Ames. um So I was even more committed to staying at Iowa State and Ames because they were here in town. And so um, when mechanical engineering had an advisor position open, um, you know, it seemed like a good fit. Mm -hmm. You know, especially with my engineering background, I would get to stay at Iowa State, um, you know and from from talking you know going through the interview, I already knew one person in the office who that had helps. also been in res life and and made the transition to mechanical advising and so um you know it it just seemed like a good fit mm-hmm. um with the team with with kind of where where my skills were at um so it just seemed like the right fit to mm-hmm. to kind of move back into this advising position. Um and you know, thankfully with Iowa State, there's there is a lot more um potential move up um in advising. Mm-hmm. Um so like I'm in, technically an advisor two. There's also advisor three positions, yep. um, you know, and things that I'm looking at potentially down the road is even moving into more like administrative classification. Yeah um student services at the college of engineering level versus, you know, being a department-specific level. Yeah. So there's just a lot more potential um, to move around as I go um, in in kind of this area. Um, I'm definitely happy I'm that now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be here for, for probably many more years. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to know that there are options still kind of in, in this side of things mm-hmm. versus res life
0: good to have that 8
1: to 4.30 schedule. Right, exactly. Like, it's a lot more balanced. Like, you know, I actually get to go home and, like, be home. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and it's home. It's not still just an extension of work. Exactly.
0: And um, I know something you started advising that's very close to your heart is
1: you're the advisor for the Cancer Association here at Iowa State. Yeah, so that's that's definitely something that, that, you know, I've been involved with. I was involved with it as a student, so one of the the big events that the American Cancer Society has is Relay for Life. Mm -hmm. Um, So many, like, different communities have that. Um, Iowa State had it when I was a student, and so it was still going on when I came back as a staff member. Um, You know, and obviously, like, when I started here, you know cancer was was very much on my mind and you know with mom's passing you know I definitely wanted to get involved and and give back so mm-hmm. I I volunteered at that relay for life um and then you know said that you know I I'm, I'm interested in getting more involved um, and it just so happened that the advisor of that organization was leaving for another position okay. um outside of Iowa state and so the The group was looking for a new advisor anyway, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of the the perfect timing for me to just kind of step in and and take over as as a, the advisor for the American Cancer Society on campus group yeah um and so yeah i've I've been with them um for six years now um and awesome. so it's it's great to be able to to give back you know as I kind of said a little earlier um when mom was going through her cancer journey, the American Cancer Society um, provided a lot of resources, including Help Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I know that my family was, was so positively impact, impacted by that organization that I definitely wanted to give back. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been great to, to advise that, that organization. You know, it, it definitely still is the students that are, are doing the things there. Um, but it's been great working with them. Um, this last year has kind of been a big transition year. So obviously COVID <laughs> yeah. kind of changed a lot of things, um, you know, because we are Relay for Life in 2020 did happen in, in person. Mm. Um, I think it was one of the last big things that was held on campus before kind of everything got shut down here. Um, But then, you know, of course, for 2021, we had to kind of change gears and be do a Relay for Life completely virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this year, we we kind of transitioned again. So instead of um, focusing on one big event, the Relay for Life event, we're we're kind of focusing on one big thing each semester. And so in the fall semesters, we're going to be focusing on Hope Lodge. Um, And so there's a campaign called Hope Lodge Heroes. Um, where it's focused on raising awareness and funds for the Hope Lodge in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, you know, it's it's Iowa State and, and you know, we have a love-hate relationship with <laughs> Iowa City. Um, but for us, it, you know, Iowa City is our mm-hmm. closest Hope Lodge. And so... You, you come know, together for a good cause. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's one of those things that we'll, we'll work together for this. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we'll still fight on the football field, but we'll work together for this. Um so yeah, in the fall we're going to ho- focus on Hope Lotch Heroes, and then in the spring we're going to partner with the American Cancer Society's um, Coaches versus Cancer campaign. Nice. And so, um, they they have kind of this this partnership with um, the NCAA Men's Basketball Coaches Association. Mm-hmm. And so, um, obviously the the men's basketball coaches here in Iowa have been very supportive of that. Um, so we're finding ways that we can kind of partner with that and do some more. Local Iowa state things with that to to help raise awareness and funds.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as we are bringing this to a close, I always have one final question that I ask all of my guests. But before I do that, I just do a quick synopsis of what we talked about. So, from growing up in East Moline, having your parents be pastors and have that um kind of affecting how holidays were, creating some new family traditions that way. Um, finding Iowa State, finding your passion within working with college students, all your different moves around the Midwest and the South. Um, when you think of one theme that you hope my listeners get from your story,
1: what would you hope that theme would be?
0: Wow,
1: it's a great question and one that you didn't Share with me in advance, so I there's can a reason I don't. <laughs> th- think of it in advance, Tyler. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, okay. So give me give me the question one more time.
0: Yeah. So, what is the theme you hope my listeners get from
1: your life story? So there's a couple things that I I kind of think about. So, okay. like you know. For your listeners, I would say, you know, you never know where life is going to take you. And so I think, one, just kind of be be open to changes, you know. And as I kind of talked about with, like, the, my position changes, like, you know, I wasn't expecting to go to NAU, you mm-hmm. know, because Arizona was too far. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to go into advising and then into housing again and then back into advising again. Um, but it was, you know, different positions opening up at the right time. And so, you know, I would say, say, be open, you know, welcome, welcome opportunities as they come. I would say also, um, you never know, um, you never know where people are coming from. Um, you know, and part of what I, I love Tyler about, about you doing life story is, you know people are telling their stories mm-hmm. and you know you're you're able to to learn about people in a much deeper level um and so you know as people are interacting with one another like you you don't know where people are coming from um and so kind of like in a world where you can be anything be kind yeah. um I think that's been kind of out there a, a lot within like the social media realms but you know, I think it's very true. Like you don't know what kind of battles people are are fighting, and not showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just just being kind with people and giving people the benefit of the doubt, um, is beneficial. Yeah. No, I think that's that's wonderful. Um, before we end,
0: I do like to all. I want to also say that, I know I mentioned in the beginning. You've been a really great mentor to me and stuff, and just. For my listeners, for people that have have told about our relationship, like, really just have appreciated how you've taken me under my your wing over these years. Like, when I found out I was going to Texas Tech, you took me out to dinner and stuff, and we had a good celebration messaging through text messages. If I'm like, dang, stuff in grad school is just really weird, and I don't want to go to my boss, but, like, I want someone that understands, Um, and I think your mentorship really came into play when I was in Alabama and my listeners will know like that was a very difficult time for me for multiple reasons and just where it was a time where people were saying like you just got to get through it like things will happen like yes you were also like get through it but you were also just there to listen to kind of understand a bad situation and um, difficult things and just were there to listen and be like let's brainstorm let's try this have you thought about this so I very much thank you so much for that because you were definitely somebody that really got me through that tough time and knew like there's another day there's something else that's gonna happen like find the goodness in where you're at yeah Um, Yeah. so I very much thank you for that and helping me get this job
1: you're welcome you know that's that's one of the things that I I love about being in in student affairs academic advising higher education in general is you know the opportunity to work with students Mm -hmm. and you know, I say students, you're you're no longer my student, but like, you know, I got to work with you and mm-hmm. see you as an undergrad student and then continue to work with you as a grad student and then as, you know, a colleague in the field yeah. and now as a colleague literally next door, you know? So, so yeah, I, I've enjoyed our relationship too. Mm-hmm.
0: And something you put in your questionnaire that I want to make sure is said too, because it's something I had to think about, was when you're thinking about moves like change can be hard and stuff but you have to look for the opportunities it's not always about the money family is important and life is short and Mm -hmm. so i think sometimes people are like i have to stay in a bad situation because of money or because of this or what will people think and at the end of the day it's just what's important to you and what are those
1: important things and it's exactly what you had listed out there right and you know i very much believe that like i know that there's there's positions that, that I could be in where I would be making much more money, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, they would not be as fulfilling. And so, you know, I think when, when people are looking at that, money is important, Yeah, you know, because obviously, like, you have to pay your bills, you have to survive, <laughs> you have to eat. Um, But you, you know, also find what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. you know, and and find ways that you can, you know, execute that passion and and also like you know give to others Mm -hmm. you know so find find what you can do because life is short
0: yeah well Nathan thank you so much for taking the time today to share your story I had a great time listening and um I look forward to many more fun experiences knocking on the wall next door
1: (laughs) sounds great
0: all right And that is another episode of Life Story. If you enjoyed it, please give a like and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, I'm Tyler Honig. Make it a great day.